0: Excuse
1: me. <laughs> good, good things. Yeah, I always feel like I need to like put on drag so like no one bothers me. Like oh, you're. You know, like, you look different from that, like, professionally taken photo of you at a wedding that you use as your avatar.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, totally. Especially, like, so much of my public-facing persona is very related to how I look, and I don't look like that most of the time. Um, I'm in my pajamas right now.
1: I'm yeah, me too. Bed.
0: And I also, whenever I have video on, I always, like, I'm doing it right now. I always just look at myself. I feel like I'm, like, self-monitoring <laughs> to make sure I don't look. <laughs> so terrible um I used to do that, that too
1: and then I like felt self-conscious about it as though the other person knew that I was looking at myself yeah and th- but yeah. then I wouldn't look at myself at enough so if it was recorded I'd make, like <laughs> weird ass faces or something because I didn't have any it was just like a nightmare um yeah
0: it's a terrible you can't win it, you cannot win <laughs> um I really miss like in person meetings where you can't look at your own face while you talk (laughs) I don't think we were meant to do that there's like no nowhere in nature do we look at our own faces while we
1: talk (laughs) yeah I feel like um I mean I feel like the internet especially like TikTok like forces you to just like look at yourself all the time
0: yeah yeah no 100% and like I mean this is almost a whole other conversation but so many people just like look at themselves through these like really fucked up filters and like yeah face looks like a little baby's face it's like it's pretty fucked up it's definitely like affected my self-esteem to an extent
1: yeah oh my god yeah it's like I mean my my friend said something to me like uh the best thing about filters is they show you what work you need to have done (laughs) she's like that's kind of (laughs) terrible
0: yeah no I I think I heard that like after, like, a certain filter goes viral, like, a filter that does something to your face after it goes viral, like, you can look at, like, plastic surgery clinics, like, certain procedures, the statistics for them go
1: up. It's, like, really, really scary. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing some, like, backlash to that, though, Um, at least insofar as, like, people seem now more skeptical of plastic surgery and cosmetic procedures, and I have a feeling that there's going to be, like, so one of my my running theories is I'd be curious if you agree with this because I I don't know if I'm full of shit but we're <laughs> gonna see like a reactionary group of feminists who are you know I call them like neo prudes well my friend Louise calls them neo prudes and I stole it from her um, but you know like not sex negative but like sex skeptical but part of that is going to be a skepticism of cosmetic surgery
0: oh yeah I feel like I'm already seeing that. Um... I'm already seeing that definitely all over TikTok. I feel sort of like, I don't know, sort of embarrassed to sometimes talk about things that I see all over TikTok because I don't know if it ends up being like an indictment of my own. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I see a lot of people being like, like super, super negative towards cosmetic surgery. And that's something that I sort of am on. There's a lot of things, a lot of things that I'm sure might come up in this conversation that I have personal opinions on that I don't think it's productive for most people to share on a public forum and cosmetic surgery is often one of those things for me because
1: like it's such a personal choice
0: it's such a personal uh it's such a personal choice I think that um cosmetic surgery is one of those things that is frequently in my experience used against trans women um, okay. like it's something that trans women face a lot of shit for especially from like rad and like turfs and stuff like that and often it is I find it somewhat hard to criticize because you know all cosmetic surgery is gender affirming surgery like when cis right. women get cosmetic surgery it's gender affirming surgery and I find it hard to criticize those things in a vacuum without you know creating some kind of harm I think there's a lot of conversations that I like to have like privately in a circle of people that i love and trust um but yeah i actually one of the first videos that ever really blew up for me on tiktok was a very a a very critical video about cosmetic surgery that i regret posting
1: do you but was it was it framed sort of sort of like too generally i it's funny because i feel like i've seen so many of your tiktoks i haven't seen that one
0: it's a really old one it was like one of my first ones that ever Really blew up. Um, and the other criticism that I got, I mean, it was a very specific video that I felt got very taken out of context. I was specifically referring to like this one woman who had gone really viral on TikTok for spending $40,000 a month on cosmetic surgery um, and, and like various like beauty procedures. Like she's just like a super rich housewife where this is her thing that she does. And I was basically just saying like that's fucked up. And like in kind of a lighthearted way, I was also like, it's also just fucking selfish, like, give someone that money, like, what are you doing, (laughs) Um, and it got sort of taken out of context, and people thought I was saying, like, every woman who gets cosmetic surgery is selfish, Um, but I, I think it also gets confusing when, you know, like, like, especially for, like, you know, a lot of women of color get cosmetic surgery to fit into Eurocentric beauty ideals, and that's, like, a choice that I could never understand, you know, like that's like a, an amount of pressure that I could never understand. And there's a lot of facets to the issue that I feel like I don't have the experience or the, I don't know, sometimes the empathy to criticize fully effectively.
1: I think that's fair. I also think that like, it probably gets flattened into just like the youth angle, which might be, I, I didn't think of that being like weaponized, but I think, you know, taking in mind what you're, what you're saying it could sort of be weaponized.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think that, I don't know, it's definitely like a slippery slope, like not wanting to talk about or like criticize any popular thing that happens for a systemic reason. Like, you know, every fucked up thing that women do happens for a systemic reason. Like we're all trying to, you know, sort of assimilate into this wider system. But that's just one that I tend to stay away from now for whatever
1: reason. (laughs) What, this might be a loaded question, but what other topics do you find yourself staying away from?
0: Uh, The big one is sex work. I don't talk about sex work. Um, I think that I, I, and I also think that one of my rules is that sometimes I like vaguely will talk about sex work um, on TikTok or I'll, I'll criticize the ways that a lot of people, other people talk about sex work. And I always say like, if you don't, if you have never spoken to a sex worker in real life like I don't care about your opinion on sex work and I don't think it could ever really be super meaningful um because there is definitely this big push on the internet of kind of like 15 year old teenage rad femmes like having a very understandable frustration with the system and with the commodification of women's bodies and with porn which is I think I'm glad to say openly is a pretty fucked up industry um But I think that a lot of those conversations tend to contribute to a real life material stigma that harms the material conditions of sex workers. And I have seen this happen in real life a bunch of times. I organize with sex workers. Some of my best friends are sex workers. And I find that often these like sort of privileged ideological conversations are not very helpful to the material conditions of marginalized women, which is always my priority. Do you
1: think that, that it could like, even people who are speaking positively or not, or they're not offering criticism could have the same sort of negative impact because it's, you know, still not from a place of education. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, totally. Um, I think sex work is an issue that very few people who talk about it, like understand or like have an idea of what the reality of it looks like. I mean, I obviously fully don't, um, and I think both people, like both sides end up doing a pretty fucked up thing to it, whether you're glamorizing it or you're, you know, completely stigmatizing it and shaming it. Um, both of those two things, I think, have a negative effect on the material conditions of women.
1: It's, it's interesting, too, because I feel like a lot of the conversation in the media about sex work is about the conversation on social media. Right? Like, yeah. it's not even about what people are doing. It's about how people are talking about it. And that's, I mean, that can be really confusing because people, you know, who wants to, uh, you know, when you're a reader, who wants to walk that line?
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, just so many of the conversations we have in general, like not only about sex work, but about so many feminist issues are just completely overwhelmed by this, like, completely ideological, abstract, like, is it good or is it bad or is it empowering or is it not empowering? And like those conversations are always completely useless and they're always the thing that is given the most attention. Like the, the the problems that sex workers are facing are like, I know sex workers who can't leave the country who like can't like the police can take their possessions at any time. The police can take their car and their house at any time. Like they, a lot of them can't have kids because they like they're they can have their kids taken away from them at any time. Like there are so many material, like legal, policy-based, anti-liberatory barriers that face sex workers. And the conversation is just always entirely like, are they good feminists or bad <laughs> feminists? <laughs> Which I think yeah. is like not helpful. Like no a very few sex workers in real life are like, Am I a feminist
1: for this? Like <laughs> I, I just feel like when it comes to anything that can be political, like so few of these conversations are about policy at all. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't know enough about anything to talk about specific policies on any topic at all, but like, <laughs> it seems like neither, <laughs> neither is anyone else, which is really like, yeah. <laughs> you think like people who are like politics posting at least, or like writing about politics would focus more on, uh, you know, what's, what's going on, you know, like what's actually happening.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, totally. That's like, my flaw as well. Um, I used to be extremely involved in like municipal politics, like local policy based stuff, like especially when I was doing a lot of activism, I was like super involved with that. And then I got so tired. And now I like could not name a city councilor <laughs> in my city, which is like very embarrassing. Um, and I would love to get back to knowing about policy at some point soon. But yeah, I mean, when you see the articles that people write about like these like discourse topics that are entirely based in problems that real people are facing it's always like this tiktok user with 500 followers said this and i don't know it's sort of weird how the internet has kind of democratized opinions to that extent where like one tweet is like a fox news article now you know
1: yeah no i mean i feel like i'm i'm this is like possibly like my only talking point that it's like the discourse (laughs) is what went viral on social media and then, you know, which lucky journalist scraped it in time <laughs> to turn it yeah. into something bigger than it should have ever been.
0: Yeah, no, totally. It's, um, it's really, really strange. I think it's, I don't know. I, I like, that's what I, I, that makes me understand what people mean when they talk about like the culture war, which I often think is kind of like a stupid word, but um, no, no offense. I think maybe you
1: use that word, but, um. No, I, I, I use it all the time, but I use it sort of in, you know, in, the, in this context. Like, I think, yeah. like, once I figured out the pipeline, which is, like, pretty obvious, you know, once you say it out loud, but once I, like, saw it, like, actually, like, hard evidence, I, like, became obsessed with it. Like, you could just make up a word make up a concept and it goes viral that's a culture war topic and that'll has like months of steam
0: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> no, <laughs> anyone can just like say anything and I, I do think it's really funny when people on the internet sort of like recognize that and like start these like fake news like like you know like julia fox's goblin mode did you like see about that no i'm, I'm surprised to... <laughs> i did it
1: because i've been like on her ass for <laughs> <laughs>
0: I would love to hear your thoughts on Julia Fox but this like this random Twitter account with like maybe like 10,000 followers or something photoshopped a fake news headline that said like Julia Fox says Kanye hates it when she goes goblin mode <laughs> and it like went viral like and Fox News covered it and like and everyone was like like Vox or whatever were, were doing articles that were like what is goblin mode experts weigh in <laughs> and like it and like people were saying that the original article had edited their headline, like the real newsline had like newspaper had edited their headline back after backlash, <laughs> because it actually was goblin mode. And it just like it was crazy. Like it. And it was just like this one Twitter account who completely openly, like as she was tweeting about this was like, this is fake, by the way, like if you're a journalist, and you see this, this is fake, you don't have to publish this. And it just kept going. It was really very interesting.
1: That yeah, I mean, that that happens with so much shit though. That's like crazy. <laughs> it was like so on the nose though. Yeah. No. Definitely. Um. So, I I think I found you to to sort of like change topics a little bit. I I I can't remember if I found you because you criticized Red Scare and I was like, <laughs> that was interesting to me,
0: <laughs> or yeah. if I
1: found you through. I think you went viral in my corner of Twitter once. Because you said that you, if I'm remembering correctly, and this was in fact you, you'd met someone who was uh, fiscally liberal and socially conservative. Was that you?
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. That <laughs> was me. Um, oh, that was so embarrassing.
1: Well, <laughs> no, so the people in my corner of Twitter who, you know, I guess they're not my corner of Twitter. It's a corner of Twitter that I, is always on my timeline. I'm not part of this community. But um, they they themselves are (laughs) socially conservative and fiscally liberal. (laughs) They were like, our queen. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She's doing okay. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, That was like really crazy when it happened because like that is something, I mean, it's like, I felt so embarrassed because after I posted it, I was like fucking obviously so many people are, (laughs) are socially conservative, fiscally liberal. Like I'm on the internet. I know that, but that's like a story that, Happened to me when I was like fifteen, and when I was like fifteen and like, pre- and like pretty like you know sort of liberal left myself. I was like, this is the fucking craziest thing that has ever happened to me, um, and I thought it was very like novel at the time. Um, so yeah, when I don't know, I was, and also a lot of people were talking about my tits when that it went viral on your corner of Twitter, and that was pretty weird. I got some pretty weird quote tweets. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, but, that's. uh it's it's a very like uh, I hate to use the word like to- or the phrase toxic male, but it kind of <laughs> it's kind of yeah, how it, is. it
0: got it got pretty weird. People were like, my like I don't know. I'm also really pale, which is like also maybe a loaded thing in that corner of the internet. And for for a week, I was like the white supremacist, unwittingly the white supremacist queen. Like they're they're like. I don't know, their jack off material of the week, which was really, really gross for me, to be honest. I really hated it. Um, But the Red Scare thing was interesting too, because I feel like that video got really widely misinterpreted. And that's maybe my fault, because maybe I didn't articulate or give enough context. I think often when things are taken from TikTok and sort of brought to other circles, a lot of context is lost. And yeah, I feel like people maybe misunderstood sort of what I was trying to say. I, th-
1: I mean, I feel like that happens. Like TikTok's a weird sort of vacuum because you could be like, you could be very like TikTok famous, but like not influential. And you get that inf- influence once you move to another platform, but then everything gets lost in translation once you make the move. And it's real I think like TikTok was designed that way to like let people like feel like they have a wide reach, but limit their actual influence. Until yeah. they leave the 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 platform,
0: yeah, that is so true. There's definitely this huge like inflation, like there's like this TikTok inflation where you can have like a million followers on TikTok and be like absolutely irrelevant, and have like two thousand followers on Instagram, and it's kind of the only platform where that
1: sort of happens. Which is, I, interesting. I think it was, I think it was de- deliberate though, um, because they want like their, I think their goal is to like keep people on TikTok and not to leave mm. it. But and also to make it so the influencers never become more powerful than the app. But yeah. what they fail to to recognize is they're in an ecosystem.
0: Yeah, definitely. What they fail to recognize is that I started a Substack. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean that's interesting that both of your introductions to me were sort of. I'm guessing maybe not super positive because the, when I went viral that first time on your corner of Twitter, they were making fun of me. Like it was like not, sort of a,
1: not all of it though. The first, the first, the first tweet I saw was like, Oh, like this girl's cute. And it was just like a screenshot. And then <laughs> I think like, I ended up like muting something. Cause I was like, I, I'm not going to like, whatever. The comments were, you know what the comments were. I was like, I can't wait yeah. at this <laughs> but, uh, but then I like clicked through to the video and then, oh, you know what it was? I probably clicked through to the video and then I watched the, then I saw the Red Scare one somehow and then I like just watched like a bunch of your videos and I was like, oh, actually, you know, this, she's really interesting and it's like not, she doesn't sound like everyone else either. Right. And it's but not in the way where it's like you're, you know, like not like other girls. It's just like you genuinely had a unique perspective and a unique voice. And that was very like exciting. for me.
0: <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It is. I do sometimes feel like I'm caught in kind of the middle of two sort of like groups or like I mean, multiple sort of like groups on the Internet. Like I'm definitely not. I, I, I'm not like, you know quite i don't know what the word is but i'm I'm not quite like ironic i guess enough or detached enough to really appeal to like the red scare set or like you know whatever you want to call that side of twitter like they all definitely think i'm really cringe and like really annoying or whatever but really
1: like hateful about like anyone who is like earnest at all like regardless of yeah. their politics
0: yeah i mean that's my thing is that i i really do believe in like earnestness i it's you know, I've every opinion that I have, I developed through doing activism in real life about things that I really cared about. Um, And that's always going to be a big, a major part of my politic. Um, But I also am sort of like, naturally inclined to be like, sort of funny and, and dry and, um, you know, ironic or whatever. And, That's also something that's not welcome on the artist side of the internet. So like, so I don't know, sometimes it's really, I'm really caught in the middle where people are like, Rain is being a misogynist because she made a joke about female NFT owners. And then I don't know, I can't win on either side, but um, I, I do. I actually, can I get the chance to clear up this red scare thing? Because I've, have wanted to do it. I know it's. I know it's like no, it doesn't matter. I it doesn't matter. This is completely narcissistic. I just <laughs> needed an outlet for this. Sure, go for it. So I made this video complaining about Red Scare, um, and when it hit, when it hit an audience outside of my own, people really <laughs> didn't like it because they they sort of thought that I was giving Red Scare like a lot more. Like, like I, like I thought they were something that they weren't, um, because obviously they're sort of pre-political. Like they're they're not really strongly conservative. They're not really let like they're just kind of an anti-political force, at least in my eyes. Like they they're just kind of like they're openly, like not even in a negative way. They're openly sort of like grifters who are like we're grifting. It's funny. <laughs> I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> um, but my video specifically was in response to a lot of people who are in my comments saying that they were like socialist like subversive socialist icons who were like fighting the establishment because that is a small and stupid minority of their listeners who I feel don't understand Red Scare at all if they think they're actually trying to take down any establishment and that video was sort of me saying no they're not like I don't think they want to be but they're just not they're not challenging any establishment I'm glad that you that you got.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. You can you
0: can edit that out if you want. I I had to get it off my no. My, I mean, everyone I know in real life is extremely offline, and like I try to talk to my boyfriend about any of this, and he's like, "I love you so much. I don't understand at all." Um, so that was completely for my sake. You can scratch. No, no. I'm
1: kidding. <laughs> <I'm pretty laughs> I th- I mean, I think you know what if you if you want to get it out to to folks and. I, I definitely have people listen to this who also listen to Red Scare. So maybe they, <laughs> maybe they saw it. I don't know. I don't uh, know. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you it's like not related to anything we've been talking about, but, um, you know, you've mentioned TikTok radfems a couple of times. And I don't know if there's a lot of them or if it's like one of those like for you page illusions <laughs> that's happening. Yeah. It feels like I remember seeing a lot of them on Tumblr. And that's kind of how radical feminism got on my radar at all. So I knew they were, like, vocal online, but, like, there's, like, there's so many on TikTok. There's just, like, so many.
0: Yeah, no, I really agree. It's been something that's been, like, pretty worrying for me. Um, and, you know, there's there's kind of a, a cancellation machine is always running. Like, if people <laughs> – I, I am definitely at the point where people – also really want to find something to criticize me about. So it's very frustrating for me because there's always like rad femmes in my comments when I don't want them there. And then a bunch of people are like, well, Rain is a turf," because look at this turf who commented thumbs up on her video. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, no, there are so many, like so many rad femmes on TikTok and they appear to be like really kind of favored by the algorithm. Like I just see their but shit. But is it
1: our algorithm? Like what... Is it anyone who's like, I mean, I, here's the thing. I understand why I would be getting radical feminist content. Like it makes sense, Mm -hmm. but knowing what I know about you, like it's surprising that you're also seeing it.
0: Yeah. I think that maybe just like a lot of people are seeing it because I like, like I follow a ton of trans people. Like a lot of the political voices I follow are trans. I follow, I don't know, like this is not, some people do this as like a flex and that's not what I'm trying to do. But um, like, I, I just follow a lot of like fat feminist creators, a lot of trans feminist creators, like, not the kind of people that Rav would necessarily be fucking with a lot of the time. And I just see them all the time and I always click the not interested and they just keep popping up. I think it like maybe is just an effect of these like TikToks, of just these like algorithms push for radicalization and maybe like any direction because those they definitely do all get a ton of
1: engagement either way. I mean, this is, you know, speaking of like the cancellation machine running, um, let me figure out how to say this delicately. So the so TikTok's AI, right? The thing that creates the algorithm, it, um, you know, it, it does factor in the visual presentation, right? Like is the lighting good? Uh, what's this person's facial shape? Could it be that the most popular radical feminists have sort of, like particular kinds of facial features that are for whatever reason or coincidentally shared with the other types of feminists. And because they use certain keywords like feminism, Mm. for example, uh, bodies, women, the algorithm isn't nuanced enough to realize that they're different. They're very different. And that's why we both get it.
0: Yeah. I mean, that definitely could be true. And I mean, I think that also is almost a thing that happens even this might be a bullshit thought (laughs) you could tell me if this is a bullshit thought, but I feel like that's also almost the thing that like humans do. Like, yeah, I, like, I, I feel like because TikTok absolutely does, like, I think there have been studies uh, that show that TikTok favors like white people, it favors thin people, like the good lighting and everything. And that definitely is a danger. Like when I'm making content is that when people see like a, white girl with vocal fry talking about anti-liberal feminism like it like a lot of like rad femmes are like you know like dirtbag feminists dissociative feminists or whatever like do just assume that I'm like I'm for them which I don't think I necessarily am um so I could see how it happens in both directions
1: I was like unsure of who your audience was at first like it took me it took me like like going through like a, like a lot of videos like 10 in a row to figure out like okay i got what her deal is what do Which you
0: think it's deal is
1: well so i'll say i think this is a strength um well like i wouldn't like i could tell you're a socialist obviously because you it, it comes up a lot but like i wasn't sure if you were like you know i feel like there's like broadly like two kinds of socialists uh, who gain audience on social media and, and when i say broad i mean very broad palatable and like sort of unpalatable to mainstream audiences and I feel like you are slightly more palatable um and like you you know there's certain there's certain things that like maybe you have in common with like more more mainstream audiences and I wouldn't necessarily have been able to guess that uh just looking at your videos and also this isn't um ho- hopefully this is like coming across correctly it's not a swipe at all
0: mm. no yeah I mean I think that's actually something I I tried to do um, because I do even though like a lot of my content sort of is like kind of like pissy like I don't know I sort of do like a half and half like I try to do some like real stuff and then I also do some like sort of fucking around a little but I really do try to like make content that can draw in like a more centrist like a more sort of like mainstream palatable audience because I really do feel like the things that I believe are not really (laughs) are not really like super super common or super like you know center center left or whatever like i i do tend to be pretty pretty far to the other side um and i do like creating content sometimes that i feel can draw those people in and like makes them feel like they can trust me and then introduce a lot of more radical or more subversive ideas um and i've been really
1: effective at that actually which i think is cool yeah you you have like a crazy amount of reach like you know, it's, it's super abnormal for, like, people to get, like, hun- like with the exception of, like, Glenn Greenwald, right, to get, like, hundreds and hundreds of engagements on, like, Substack, for example. And it, it made <laughs> me wonder, like, was she, like, already a celebrity? Or, like, is, is her TikTok just super effective? I, I Like, that was something I was wondering about. And I, I imagine it's from some of your previous activism and journalism.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe a little. Like, this is honestly something that I don't really know. Like, I mean, I, I asked you what you thought my deal was because sometimes I don't really know what my audience is um but I had I had like some kind of following on the internet before TikTok I had like 10,000 15,000 Instagram followers like 10,000 Twitter followers like something like that just from like talking about politics and activism and 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 that kind of thing um and then I sort of started TikTok actually because I was like I want a platform where I can just be myself and I don't have to worry about the followers and then <laughs> Like, my first video got a million views or something, which is, like, <laughs> really a cruel joke. Um, but, yeah, I have, like, a very parasocial audience. Um, they, <laughs> I think it's, like, pretty rare. And I got really, really lucky that an audience, especially on TikTok, would be so willing to sort of follow you to another platform, especially a long-form platform like Substack. Um, but I was really, really happy about it because I feel like something that I really try like have tried to instill in my audience for a long time and um, that maybe like contributed to the success of that is that I've really tried to sort of like talk about the negative parts of these algorithms and the way that like our brains are being trained to handle less and less nuance and like less and less critical thought and that you know a lot of these issues are just sort of pushed into social media to act as this kind of like commodified self like a self-sustaining churn of like meaningless discourse um and that we should try to escape those things when we can I don't know and I don't know if like moving to a different commodified platform is really any huge um piece of progress but I I think it's really cool I mean like the the Westom Caleb essay that I wrote I was terrified putting that out there um I thought that TikTok was going to hate it. I thought I was going to get like, people were going to say I was a fascist or a misogynist or like, why would
1: they (laughs) they call you a fat? There is nothing fascist about that essay at all. I mean, for people who haven't read it, do you want to just quickly, quickly describe? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I agree that there was nothing fascist about that essay, but- (laughs) People don't know what fascist
1: means. (laughs) Yeah.
0: People are pretty, pretty crazy on the web. Um, I wrote a, a an essay sort of on West Elm Caleb, but that was a larger criticism of what I called the feminist panopticon, um, which I guess is sort of my way of talking about cancel culture. Um, that was just a, a criticism of the very obvious ways in which audiences on the internet sort of cannibalize real people and have become so overstimulated with, and so, I don't know, so desperate for stimulus that the only thing that can entertain us anymore is like, the lives of real people and finding new people to like seek and destroy and how that really isn't liberatory or meaningful and how that actually like a lot of people feel like it's like anti-leftist to criticize cancel culture or did I is that did I use the right amount of negatives yeah <laughs> that it's anti-leftist to criticize cancel culture but that cancel culture itself is an inherently anti-leftist thing that has been sort of unfairly commodified by the right I would
1: say yeah, I mean I I definitely agree with you. I, cancel culture is <laughs> I think cancel culture is a product of digital of digital interaction. It's not even a left right divide, but mm-hmm. the the right definitely loves to to use it as some sort of like catch-all to I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, a 100%. Like it, it just is like a thing and I feel like the right what I say in the essay is that I feel like the right has monopolized conversations on this. Like they have like sort of monopolized, um, this ownership of like criticizing cancel culture or a a culture of social disposability, um, which is what it is. And, you know, like black feminists, abolitionists have been writing about this kind of thing for decades and decades. And you can find both a very apt description of these problems and an apt description of the solutions in like abolitionist texts from 20 years ago, you know?
1: I mean, speaking of commodification, I, I, You know, I I said this much less elegantly on Twitter today. People like I, you know, especially especially with like, uh, you know, various like black abolitionist texts, like I don't think anything has been commodified quite as blatantly and totally bastardized from its original purpose than, than some of those. Um, I mean, I, 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 said it in this very like inflammatory <laughs> way cause I was, I was just kind of on one, mm-hmm. um, where, and I was just like angry at my followers for no reason and telling people I didn't know what they were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. Yeah. I got, I mean, and then it was like, of course it's like all, everything I've tweeted in the last week has gone like six likes and this got like 500. <laughs> 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 it's like the, the reach just explodes. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I think you're right. And I think that like people don't know how to also like don't know how to process uh, criticisms of cancel culture that aren't sort of like criticisms of like the woke specter.
0: Yeah, no, no, definitely. And I mean, really like any conversation around like sort of the surveillance the like self-surveillance sort of digital panopticon thing that we're kind of living in where people are constantly like filming each other trying to get like a gotcha um any criticism of any of that stuff honestly in my experience is a pretty hard sell like i've made videos that i thought would be like the easiest like the (laughs) least controversial thing ever where i'm like maybe we shouldn't film each other in public so we can social socially punish people on a scale of millions and everyone is like fuck you like what are you what
1: are you talking about um you had one recently about and people were like oh you're anti-gossip yeah. there's a couple making out and then yeah. which is like gossip is between two friends or a group of friends it's not millions of people and just like one random dude
0: yeah totally and like that was my original thesis is I was like do you not have friends like if you see someone doing something embarrassing in public you send it to the group chat like you don't <laughs> post it for a million people I don't know like that's for me, that almost transcends, like, any political thing, and it's just, like, it's crass, it's, like, it's it's base, I don't know, it's, uh, I just don't, I really hate that kind of behavior. Um, but anyway, I was sort of expecting that that would be what the response was to the West Elm Caleb thing, because, um, I don't know if you saw some of the backlash that people were getting for, like, disagreeing with the way that whole thing.
1: Oh, I, the- I... <laughs> I, I was like, I was on that shit like a hawk. It was, I was unhealthy. I don't, because I, the minute I saw uh, Kate Glavin's uh, first video, I was like, I wasn't even her. It was, it was, it was an Asian woman who I yeah. saw. I was like, this is going viral. This is going to be, this is Vox bait. This th-. And then three days later, three days on the dot,
0: <laughs> every head,
1: <laughs> there were billboards. It was all over. I, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that the, that the Lance Chelsea drama if if you're familiar with that, yes, uh, of course I <laughs> am. Yeah, um, painful. I'm, like, how is that not wormed its way into? Maybe it's just it's just at this point that's too much and they're over it. But um. yeah,
0: um, but yeah, I mean, I think I was just going to say, like, I think that was something that I think was really cool about my audience uh, is that I have sort of sometimes like a more mainstream audience, but I was able to you know write this thing that for a liberal audience really goes against you know really is kind of an unnatural idea a lot of the time and the response to it was like almost exclusively really positive and a ton of people were like this entirely changed my perspective and I really value that like I feel like I would rather have that than like necessarily have like a really 100% cool based audience that we're just kind of circle jerking how smart we are you know
1: it's it's much better to have uh, like a you know, a diverse a diverse audience who who will challenge you or like who isn't necessarily familiar with some of the topics that you're you're bringing up. It's more interesting yeah. when they comment on it. You know.
0: Yeah, it's annoying too. I mean, also, I don't want it to come across as though I'm like shaming or like you know looking down upon that other type of of content. I don't think you are this. at all. It's, I, it's definitely you know. more fun that way, I would assume. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, I actually feel really bad for Kate. I I kind of know her and. She got a bum deal in that whole thing, in my opinion.
1: I am still sort of floored by the people who are like psychoanalyzing her. Like, there's nothing. They're so off too. It's 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 like they're like I've never seen someone so obviously used as a canvas for like random men's baggage. Like it's yeah. it's, it's, it's like really crazy. The the criticisms of her aren't even about her. They're about totally. someone else. Totally. And it's like she didn't even start the thing like
0: it's like, I, I don't know, I don't think she should have made that video like she got caught up in it like everybody does sometimes on the Internet, but she just quickly became just this like, I don't know, this like target for every problem every man has ever had with a woman. And, you know, the thing that I thought was actually really interesting about it that illustrated this problem that I think about a lot with kind of the commodification of this like transformative justice thing. Is that I'm trying to think about a way to word this. There's kind of a specific contingent of leftists who are very willing to forgive, like a person who obviously does something wrong, but are very unwilling to forgive a leftist who doesn't deal with that the right way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's oh, like, I mean,
1: this is on both sides, too. This happens yeah, on both the right. sides. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean, this was this whole thing with Kate is that everyone was like, fuck you, people are allowed to make mistakes. And you're a bitch and we're going to harass you for two weeks. And like, you know, it's like like they were like, how dare you do this? Because everybody is allowed to make a mistake on the Internet. But it's like she made a mistake on the Internet and you're doing to her what you think she was
1: doing to West Elm Caleb, you know? Yeah, I I mean, the response, the responses to that whole debacle were just so I mean, there was that one woman who wanted to, like, make an app that was basically, like, the shitty men in media list, but for dating apps. I mean, it was, like, yeah. it, it, was, it was really crazy. I mean, I do think it's why some of these other sort of, like, uh, theatrical productions haven't uh, broken off TikTok because it's – that was that was it. We're, we're done,
0: right? Yeah. No, seriously, it was fucking exhausting. Um, I think uh, – yeah i was really scared by those like those lists those google docs that were going around like i this is like it's one of those things that is sort of difficult to articulate exactly the way you want it to but i do think it gets sort of dangerous when people start expecting dating or any human relationship to be a completely entirely risk-free affair you know like that's sort of the thing that is like beautiful about a relationship is that you go into it knowing that you might get hurt in some respect. Um, and I think it's kind of weird that people are like, oh, he liked me and then he did it like he's an abuser. I don't know.
1: We ha- Well, I-, I think this is just like a cultural problem. Um, you know, everything's moving towards like a more frictionless experience. So why shouldn't it also apply to human relationships? You know, it's yeah. everything, our, our apps, our tech, whatever. Um, and then, you know, I think a lot of the way we've talked about sex in the last, I don't know, I want to say 20 years has been the logical conclusion is that it's it's completely fr- like frictionless leisure, which obviously mm-hmm. isn't true, which yeah. is why I think that ba- there's this sort of backlash and why maybe like radical feminism may or may not who knows it could be it could be like TikTok's brainwashing tools uh, be appealing to to young women.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. I mean it like the whole you you know much I've read your brain dumps, you know so much more about sex negativity or sex counter sexual counter revolutionary activity um than I do. <laughs> but I do. I think it's it's really really interesting and you know, it's one of those things where it is obviously really reactionary, but that's like I don't say that in a shaming way. Like it's like I can understand why this reaction is happening and I have a lot of empathy for it for sure.
1: Yeah, I I think I might I I may have like circled around to like I'm I'm mostly in agreement. But also I'm like, am, am I or have I just been like marinating in these texts for so long that i psyoped myself into agreeing with them? <laughs> I, you know, it's very hard for me to tell. I, you know, I, I this is why I identify as apolitical because I'm just exposed to so much stuff that I don't know, like, what's me and what's the, I've just been in this room for too long. And it's, <laughs> th- these are the words I know. So <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's smart. That's that is a good take. Um the, i think more people need to be like i have no opinion on this or i don't think it it holds weight um but i am curious like what just because it is such a i feel like sex negativity is just such a like a, a huge collection of different things like what do you mean when you say that you like agree with some part of it like what does that mean so to you? Uh,
1: you know I'm, I'm pretty i'm pretty anti-porn for like a mm. lot of different reasons like both like how it's produced and how it's distributed and you know all the many ways it can go wrong um but also like what, you know, the possibilities of, of what it does to the person consuming it. I have like some big questions about sex work. We don't have to, you know, sex work other than porn, um, which we don't have to get into um, to respect your, your, your no sex conversation <laughs> policy. Um, I, I think that the place I get the most shit is I'm not carte blanche against casual sex, but I feel like a lot of people have casual sex that they themselves are not comfortable with. And the, no amount of trying to inject, uh, you know, a manufactured care or like, you know, being an ethical slut or you know what, whatever it is, whatever the the contemporary way of describing it is, is going to change the fact that not everyone's built for that. And a lot of people have put themselves in sort of these uncomfortable positions, and because they're uncomfortable with it, it does have a it does have an impact on them. Does that mean that you know a certain number of sexual encounters has always has a negative impact, um, on every, you know, on every person. I don't, you know, I, I don't think so, but I do think there is like a real, uh, epidemic of people not knowing themselves and, uh, trying to rationalize things that haven't been, been good for them. I mean, there's a, there's a whole suite of other, of other things, like, you know, you know, but but basically it boils down to, uh, people not knowing themselves well enough to make, the right decisions or the decisions yeah. that are right for them.
0: Yeah, no, I actually really, you know, when it comes to casual sex, I feel like I that really like closely mirrors sort of what I believe, but it's interesting because I don't really consider like my beliefs to be sex negative like um I I sort of I don't know. I don't know if this is a little bit masturbatory, but I I don't really I don't like sex positivity and I don't really like a lot of what I've seen of sex negativity. And I sort of try to think of my opinions on sex in a way that is much more focused around like liberation or like non liberation, um, because I think it's another one of those things where on both sides, people get really, really caught up in these discussions of like abstract empowerment and like what is a feminist sex and if it's not feminist to have sex and what, you know, what these things Mean for you as a person, sort of moralize in a moralized way, and I'm a lot more interested in sort of thinking about the structures that exist that like you know materially prevent women from having like healthy and fulfilling and pleasurable sex um and i I agree I think casual sex can be a really a really great thing um if you if you prioritize your your pleasure and the the pleasure of your partner, and I think sex can be a really not only physically, but emotionally fulfilling thing in either an intimate, in either like a long-term or a casual setting. But I agree that I think people aren't given the tools necessarily to know yeah. how to do that all the time.
1: And, you know, I think that there is this like real push, especially in the communities I've been, for like sex to be like something that can be rational. And I think we have to own that when emotions are involved, it's it can't be, it's never going to be something that's very, like one size fits all or like that, you know, oh, if, you know, the, if, if one partner acts a specific way that, it, you, you know, you won't, you won't become attached or you won't feel a certain way about it, um, it you know, there's, there's more emotional weight to the act than I think uh, people have been trying to convince themselves of.
0: Yeah, 100%. I always say, oh, there's something that I used to say that was pretty pretentious, but <laughs> that I still sort of believe where, oh, I used to say, like, it's not that I'm against casual sex. I just don't think it exists. Like, I think that all sex is a serious thing, even if you're having it in, you know, like an, in, in, an impersonal way or, you know, like a not a long term way. I think it still deserves to be taken seriously and to be thought about and to be fully experienced in your body and all of that stuff. And I think sometimes the conversations around casual sex sort of turn it into something else. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean I th- and that's that's a very like millennial thing, right, turning into something else, which I mean I I also think part of like one it's just not it doesn't work for for most people and it's you know not true, but also millennials as 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 we get older our beliefs are have less cultural cachet. So it's that's mm-hmm. that's the thing that's pushing the the dominoes over, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's definitely it's definitely interesting because I'm I'm 20 and i and I'm very aware of the fact that I maybe don't know anything. like <laughs> that's sort of like a, a bigger a bigger thing is that I'm always like, I don't know anything um, because I am so I have so little experience. Um, so sometimes I do feel a little weird about like talking about my opinions like they matter. but I mean something that i my my problem I would say with the sex negativity community from what I've seen is that I think a lot of the time. A lot of those conversations especially when they happen casually on social media can really turn into something that sort of echoes like abstinence education like you get a lot of like and sometimes even political lesbianism like you get a lot of people that are just like don't have sex with men like don't have sex with men unless like you have are in complete control of your pleasure and unless you completely trust him and and obviously those are like important things but if we know that – we know in the real world that's just not going to happen. Like, people are going to have
1: sex. Like, people – Well, they're, they're also, like, often criticizing, I think, an imaginary person, right? Yeah. Like, a proxy for, like, the millennial girl boss that, like, may not exist, you know, or, like, doesn't exist in high numbers, uh, mm. who eschewed it all for a career and is now 37 and ready to have children, and where's the man? And she yeah. – you know, her body, her, her body count uh, – for listeners, I just did – Uh, you know, finger quotes, uh, (laughs) is like 75. And she doesn't understand why she can't pair by, you know, it's just like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fantasy of, I think, like an angry man who's looking at statistics and trying to create a narrative around these numbers and not really understanding uh, what's coming into play there.
0: Yeah, totally. And, you know, I find it pretty frustrating, because I don't know if you know this, but I actually like my whole sort of political background is in sex education. Like, that's how I got into politics is that for really the majority of my conscious life, I've been really involved in, like, on-the-ground activism around sex education. And pretty recently, like, a bunch of people, like, found that out and were like, she's a liberal feminist who, like, she wants sex education? Like, that's so lib-fem, sex positive. And it's like, are you crazy? Like, sex education is liberal now? Like, that, obviously, I that's, that was a small group of people and not representative of the whole movement, but... I do really feel worried that there are aspects of this that are really just trying to do a similar thing that like puritanical conservatives do. Um, oh, yeah. They're, they're ignoring the realities that people want to have sex and they're going to have sex. And if we want women to be
1: liberated, our our short-term strategy needs to be like harm reduction, you know? Well, people don't want women to be liberated. I mean, they, I think there's two things going on here. Sort of the more mm-hmm. moderate people mm-hmm. see. I don't know if you saw this like sex camp in Kentucky thing. No. Uh, there's like a sex, it's, it's actually, it's, it's actually like really outrageous. It's like a sex education camp for people in third to fifth grade or something. And it's, it's like how to masturbate and like think, you know, things that probably aren't appropriate for even for like sex education, especially for that, that age group. And the branding on it is really sort of out there and the women running it are, uh, sort of like, you know, any, any, uh, republicans nightmare like they're you know <laughs> fat feminists covered in tattoos with you know purposefully uh you know provocative uh, uh, let's say haircuts and it, it, whatever bad piercings that sort of thing um and people are using that you know much like they did with crt is like representative of like oh this one example is what's happening in public schools across america when it's like mm-hmm. a, probably like a for-profit summer camp that like sure is uh, pretty disturbing but like also like I don't know how many of those could possibly exist. Probably just, yeah. just one. You know, yeah, the-
0: it's like you found one crazy person, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, you definitely see that happen a lot. I mean, that happens. I think that's what kind of makes me wary is that these are patterns that I've seen happen in real life all the time. Like, you know, when I was growing up doing this sex ed stuff, like half of the kids in my dad's like kindergarten class were taken out of school by their parents because The right-wing media was telling people that he was that like you know schools were teaching kids how to masturbate and like that obviously isn't even a fraction of close to true but you just sort of spread this fear-mongering thing to get people away from like anything that could be could help them you know like that could obviously it's obviously a positive thing and i find it uh and again i feel empathy and i understand why you know girls and women are feeling this way and are feeling this sort of like reactionary push against this thing that has hurt them. It makes perfect sense. But I think people gotta have to be careful a little bit.
1: I, I think so too. And like, you know, a lot of what I've been tracking is like what what's the likelihood of sort of like the, the current order, so to speak, being sort of, you know, like replaced by a kind of like bush era sort of <laughs> you know abstinence only we're back to the purity balls as being a household term mm-hmm. um and i you know i don't, I, don't I, I couldn't put a number on it but i don't think it's i don't think it's totally unlikely um and i you know I, I do think a big part of that also is like a lot of these the people leading these conversations don't have kids and don't know what's going on in classrooms like you know how many people um we don't have to get into the details of this because I know it's loaded, but like how many people who are vehemently against CRT have stepped foot in a public school in 30 years? Probably like one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I mean, I, again, like my, my whole family is teachers, um, very intimately acquainted with this issue. I mean, it's all just like, you know, like my, my dad is like a center liberal guy, like, He's definitely not on the vanguard, you know, the front lines of the revolution by any means. And he feels frustrated that he isn't allowed to, like, say things, you know, like in, in my province, I'm Canadian in my province, the government instituted a tip line encouraging students and parents to report it to like the police, basically, if their teachers like taught them how to put on a condom. That's an exaggeration, but it, it's pretty the tip line part is true. Um and like, you know, people just have this completely skewed idea of what these what is actually happening in any real life scenario and then feel like it's their job to sort of, you know, enforce it or criticize it.
1: Yeah. But, and it's, it's because there's such a disconnect between like the media narrative layer of, of reality, which is I think is actually like worth critiquing and trying to change. And then, like, whatever is actually happening, which is why, like, I often go to great pains and, like, my, my like, trend forecasting or whatever to be, like, I'm just, just talking about how people are going to talk about this. I have no idea what people are doing. I, I don't look. I don't know. I'm online 24-7. I'm a cyborg. <laughs> I don't exist. <laughs> just talking about headlines.
0: Yeah. No. And that's definitely, like, a super useful thing. Like, I think because that is totally, like, a great service in itself. And there are a lot of people who do that, but really try to make it seem like they're like doing something totally different. Um, And, you know, the other way too. And I think it's really important for people to be like, this is what I'm doing and this is what it means. And let's
1: not draw any crazy conclusions, you know? Yeah. um, I mean, people, I don't even, I don't even know if people are aware (laughs) that's what they're doing. It would be great if they were, Um, but we're, we're coming up on an hour and I, I, you know, I, I won't. I won't keep you here all day. Although it's been a very nice conversation. Um, before we Before we wrap up, is there anything you wanna wanna plug or promote or any messages you want my very weird audience <laughs> of Gen X dads to know? <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah. Thank you so much. This has been This has been really great. It's been really great to talk to you. Um, I think your work is super interesting, and I was very intimidated to come on because I feel like. I not like not like sca- I wasn't really scared, but I was like intimidated because I feel like you are very knowledgeable about a lot of things.
1: Um, so thank you for having me. Um, Thanks for coming, and you are too, by the way. You're you're very well spoken, um, and I know this sounds like condescending as fuck, but I am trying to strengthen the compliment. It's it's surprising that you're 20, and you know people will say this kind of shit, but I really mean it because <laughs> you really are very smart, and I wish I was as articulate as you are even now <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much that is so kind sometimes when people like
0: sort of criticize me or whatever I want to be like but when I'm 30 I'm gonna be so smart like <laughs> just g- give me like eight years and I'm gonna be really really good um but yeah thank you um I have a Substack. it's called internet princess um I write about a lot of the stuff that I talked about here um and yeah that would be the main thing that I would want to plug uh And yeah, thank you so much.